Welcome to World Policy on Air, a weekly podcast from the pages and website of World Policy Journal, published by the nonprofit World Policy Institute in New York. I'm David Alpern. On this week's show, posting August 14th, 2015, we talk with Nobel Prize winner Hiroshi Amano about the cool light of LEDs that he helped develop and their larger potential impact on energy, environment, and society. His conversation on those matters with WPJ editor-publisher David Andelman is featured in the World Policy Journal Climate's Cliff Summer Issue under the headline, A Light Bulb Goes Off. We'll also point out other top stories in the new summer issue. But first, some timely insights from Washington with Paul Brandis, who runs the West Wing Reports News Service. Well, what with the Iranian nuclear deal, China's economic woes, Greece and such, we haven't heard much lately from another trouble spot, but that has changed with news that North Korea may be expanding its enrichment of uranium. That's according to the security analysis firm IHS, which is well-respected. It says North Korea's Yongbyon Nuclear Center now has a second facility that houses what it calls a large number of active centrifuges. Meantime, Korea watchers are wondering what's happened to former Defense Minister Hyung Yong chol U.S. officials think he was relieved of his duties in late April by Kim Jong-un, the North Korean leader, but news reports say that South Korean officials think Hyun may have been executed. If so, it would be the latest killing in an ongoing purge by Kim to maintain his steel grip on power. Could U.S. ground troops be headed back to Iraq? Retiring Army Chief of Staff General Ray Ordierno says it should be considered. Now, that's a view that gets no mileage in the White House, but coming from Ordierno, who spent more time in Iraq than any other American general, it cannot be dismissed, particularly given growing concerns that the air campaign against ISIS is not doing all that well. This, as the U.S. air campaign has been stepped up with airstrikes from a key NATO base in Turkey. One upside to the focus on ISIS, by the way, it is causing Washington and Moscow to reevaluate together the situation in Syria, which has long been propped up by the Kremlin. Reports say the American goal of getting rid of Syrian leader Bashar al-Assad is no longer the top priority. Getting rid of ISIS is. For World Policy On Air, I'm Paul Brandis at the White House. You're listening to World Policy On Air. Now this. I I can imagine the future uh, displays or writing system. And uh, I understand that it is so important. So that's why I can concentrate on it. Japanese physicist Hiroshi Amano explained his extraordinary ability to concentrate in a video interview marking the 2014 Nobel Prize awarded for his role in creation of the cool white light-emitting diodes, or LEDs, now changing illumination and energy use around the world. Professor Amano discussed the complex history of that creation and its implications with World Policy Journal editor-publisher David Andelman for the new summer 2015 issue. Their conversation is headlined, A Light Bulb Goes Off, and I talked about it recently with him for this podcast. Professor Amano, welcome to World Policy on Air. My pleasure. First, tell us what attracted you to the study of physics in the first place. 
the study of physics, okay. <laughs> uh, when, when I was a student, uh, I, I was not a good student, for, especially for physics, but uh, when I studied uh, at the university, I uh, understood the importance of the physics. So from that time, uh, I enjoyed the physics very much. What focused you on the study of creating light that led to the LED breakthrough? My interest, uh, my interest was uh, to develop a new displays. I, I started the LED research from 1983. Uh, at that time, the brown tube was the only the display which uh, we could use but uh, as you know the brown tube was very big so uh, i'd like to uh, change the display system from uh, the brown tube to much smart uh, like a smartphone or a cellular phone uh, displays you call the LED a fourth-generation artificial lighting system. Remind us how it differs from traditional light sources. Okay. Uh, the first uh, artificial light is, of course, the fire or uh, candle, uh, which is, in principle, based on the chemical reaction, uh, that is, the oxidation. And... Uh, Second generation is the incandescent lamp. Uh, it's it's like um, early stage of quantum mechanics. So, uh, of course, the efficiency of incandescent lamp is good, but the dominant wavelength is in the infrared region. So the efficiency in the visible region is very low. So under Third generation is the fluorescent lamp, uh, which is uh, purely based on the quantum mechanics. But the problem was uh, the fluorescent lamp needs uh, the very fragile grass and also the mercury vapor. So uh, I think the LED is the, the, one of the ultimate goals for the, for the people. <laughs> What World Policy Journal editor David Andelman found especially interesting is that you need three colors to create white light with an LED, red, green, and blue, the last yeah. of which took decades to perfect. What was the yeah. problem that took so long to achieve blue? Uh, yes. Um, there are many candidates to, to develop a blue LEDs. Uh, for example, silicon carbide or zinc selenide and other two, six or materials. But the problem of silicon carbide was, uh, it was indirect band gap transition. So which is not efficient. And for zinc selenide or two sixes, uh, unfortunately, the crystal was too fragile, so it could not be used for the commercial applications. And the, the nitride was very uh, promising because the crystal itself is very, very tough, uh, but which means that it is very difficult to grow high-quality crystals without defect. 
And also,、uh, it was very, very difficult to realize P type, P type、uh, night rise. That's the reason why、uh, the people need a long, long time to develop a blue LED. But you're talking about gallium nitride. How did you finally solve the problem? Yeah, to, to grow high quality crystals, we need a foreign substrate. And、uh, as a substrate, sapphire was the most uh, promising uh, candidate as the substrate. But the problem was the lattice mismatch. The lattice mismatch is the 16%, so, which is very large. So many people try to grow high quality gallium nitride on the sapphire substrate, but、uh, many people fail to grow it.、Uh, my case, it was very fortunate that. I found a good way of growing high quality gallium nitride on the sapphire substrate using a buffer layer, low temperature deposited aluminum nitride buffer layer, by which、uh, I could grow the high quality gallium nitride on the sapphire substrate. And for P type gallium nitride, I accidentally found that、uh, blue luminescence. Zinc doped gallium nitride was enhanced by、uh, electron beam irradiation. But in case of zinc doping, we couldn't realize the P type gallium nitride. But by using、um, another、uh, acceptor that is magnesium、uh, and following the electron beam irradiation treatment,、uh, we finally、uh, succeeded in realizing a P type gallium nitride. One member of the Nobel Prize Committee noted that a quarter of all electricity produced in the world is for illumination. Can you guess how much energy your low powered LED is saving the planet? Especially in Japan,、uh, by year 2020,、uh, about three quarters of the general lighting will be replaced by LEDs, by which we can save about 7%. Of the total electricity consumption in, in Japan. The、uh, penetration of the LEDs is a little bit、uh, slower.、Uh, in the United States, the Department of Energy、uh, predicted that、uh, by year 2000, 2030,、uh, three quarters of the general lighting will be replaced to LED lighting system. And again, about 7% of electricity saved by LEDs. Yes. Well, Japan is trying to move away from nuclear energy.、Uh, we all remember the disaster towards either conventional or more hopefully new types of energy. Might LEDs help in this process because less electricity will be necessary for lighting? Yes, that's a very important point. The nuclear reactor is cheap for generating electricity, but the problem is the, it is very difficult to control if the, some disaster occurs. So,、uh, before the year 2011, about 30% of the electricity was generated by nuclear power plants. But all the power plants stop operation now, and the people want to、uh, operate some. Uh, safe reactor, but still we need electricity. 
So now uh, we can save about 7% by LED, which is a large number. Uh, but, but still, it is insufficient. We have to reduce the electricity consumption more. With the LED requiring less power than incandescent lighting, might it mean more light and even some energy left over in poor, remote, currently dark regions where power is scarce and very expensive? Right, right. Yeah, that, that, that's also very important. Uh, yeah, for 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 us, uh, we are very happy to provide or support the uh, people, for example, living in the uh, Central Africa or the uh, Middle Asia. The the person who cannot uh, use the or access to the electricity. Yeah, in such a region. Uh, we can supply the very easy to use uh, general writing system with a combination of blue LEDs, uh, phosphors, the batteries, and the solar cells. And uh, we can provide, especially the children living in such an area, so they, they, can, they can read uh, books and uh, study even at night. Another benefit of the LED is it's so much cooler than incandescent lighting. Given the concern yeah. about our warming planet, might replacing incandescent bulbs all over the world with LEDs contribute to lowering or at least slowing some of that heating? Yeah, of course, you, you are right. But uh, I, I'm not sure the, how, how, how much percentage uh, the LED lighting can contribute to the uh, global warming <laughs> Ah, of course, for electricity saving, uh, the LED can uh, contribute to the global warming. Uh, that, that's true. But 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 the, the, there is another another uh, uh, aspect that uh, yeah, in case of LEDs, if we use as uh, the traffic light. <laughs> For example, uh, yeah, uh, the people living in the north area, yeah, in case of Japan, if, for example, the Hokkaido people are claiming that the, by using LEDs, they cannot remove the snow. The old incandescent lighting was warm, so it would melt the snow. Right, right, right. Yes, and, and some people claim that. that. <laughs> and the LEDs don't do that. But I wonder, to, right. what degree, to what degree do you find yourself now motivated by social concerns as well as scientific curiosity? And if so, how did that happen? When, when I was young, uh, my curiosity is, uh, this, is, uh, is only the scientific uh, aspect. But now uh, I understood that uh, we can contribute to the improvement of the human life. So um, I, I'm now uh, interested in the how to contribute to improving the human life. Do you think that the scientific community in general has uh, more responsibility than it, than it accepts at this point to work on addressing threats to the planet, uh, prospects for improving it? What role should science play in making mankind better? Oh, that's a very important point. The understanding the mechanism or understanding, for example, understanding the the life or understanding the earth or understand, understanding the space is also very important. But I do believe that the reason why uh, we are concentrated on the science and technology is because of the improving of human life.
So uh, the, all the scientists can contribute to improving the uh, society. We understand your next work is in the solar cell area, the backside of the LED. How better to yeah. generate the electricity needed to power it? Talk about that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The structure itself is similar, but uh, uh, it's a reverse process. The uh, the LED changes the electricity to light, and the solar cell changes the photon or light to electricity. And we can use the almost similar materials uh, as the solar cells, and their expected uh, efficiency is twice as the today's commercially available uh, solar cell system based on silicon. So uh, we are now focusing on the commercializing or developing a new technology based on these new materials to develop uh, higher, much higher and uh, cost-effective uh, solar cell systems. What do you think is, what is your goal or what, how much efficiency do you think you can achieve? Or I guess I should say how much can, how little can you lose in this transformation from light to power? Okay. So my first goal is the, the twice. That is 40% of the efficiency for solar cells. But uh, theoretically, it, it improved to about uh, over 50%. So uh, uh, I'd like to continue until we reach the efficiency of about 50%. Do you think you can get there with, with what kind of materials other than what you've been using for, uh, for the LEDs? Uh, the, for solar cells, uh, maybe uh, we can use, uh, for example, the conventional semiconductor materials like uh, germanium or gallium arsenide, gallium phosphide, and the gallium nitride. Uh, with the combination of these materials, uh, we, we, I do believe we can achieve the over 50% efficiency. Let's go back to the LEDs. You said last year that about half of the blue LEDs necessary for white light in the world are manufactured in China and that energy conservation efforts can be enhanced by cooperation between the research of Japanese universities and China's production capability. How do you yeah. see these global efforts going forward and developing? Should Japan and China lead the way in all this? Of course, uh, the leader is not only the Japan. Uh, the, for example, United States or Europe and their uh, Asian people like China, Korea, and Taiwan people also should involve in the developing a new LED technology or a, a new fabrication technology for cheap and cost-effective LED systems. Okay, not, not, not only in the, the Japan and China, but also the, it, should be, it should be done by the, all over the world. How long do you think before uh, your new devices in this power generating phase will be ready to take their place besides the LED? What's a realistic time frame to expect in the future for this type of development and transformation? For solar cell applications, uh, still we need uh, at least five years to realize uh, higher efficiency devices. Uh, because uh, we are facing several problems uh, like LEDs <laughs> in the early stage. So 
uh, we, we have to solve several problems. Uh, so we need at least five years to commercialize the next generation uh, power generation or solar cell systems. Let me conclude, like David Andelman, by asking you about what aspect of your work holds for you the greatest hope for the future of people on our planet. We would like to contribute to the human, to improving the human life by not only the energy saving, but also the energy harvesting or energy creation. And also, I'd like to present or I'd like to uh, propose a new new way of uh, to develop uh, human society by by using uh, new devices or new systems. So, uh, in very near future, I'd like to propose a new human system based on the new devices. Well, it's hugely promising, optimistic, very exciting. I mean, uh, you've changed the way we light our rooms. You've changed the way whole cities look. Uh, so much more sharp, bright, realistic. Are you pleased that you've affected already so many lives so positively? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, uh, well, we, we, we are very pleased. But uh, I think uh, we still uh, have a lot of things to do for the better human life. <laughs> Professor Amano, thank you, yeah. and once again, congratulations. Thank you so much. Amano is a professor in the Graduate School of Engineering at Nagoya University in Japan. He won a Nobel Prize in Physics last year for his work on energy-saving LEDs, now changing illumination and environment preservation around the world. His conversation on those matters with WPJ editor-publisher David Andelman is featured in the World Policy Journal Climate's Cliff Summer Issue under the headline, A Light Bulb Goes Off. Also featured in the summer 2015 issue of World Policy Journal, cover headline Climate's Cliff, you'll find articles on developing solar, wind, and nuclear power, about the pollution, corruption, and politics behind China's smothering skies, and about answers from six continents to the issue's big question, who has the most to lose from climate change in your country? Plus, tune in to next week's podcast as we talk with prize-winning environmental author, photographer, and activist Subankar Banerjee. His essay for the new WPJ Climate's Cliff Summer issue is headlined in the Warming Arctic Seas. World Policy on Air is a production of World Policy Journal at the nonprofit World Policy Institute in New York. Editor-publisher David Andelman, managing editor Yaffa Frederick, online news editor and podcast producer Matthew DeMello. I'm David Alpern. <laughs>